Possibly for the first time ever, we find ourselves in a situation where young people have a much clearer grasp of what the future is likely to look like and how to prepare for it, which means older people are having to get the insights and the advice and the direction from younger people. Sometimes very, very young people have that clear grasp. Of course, that doesn't mean to say that older people don't bring judgment and maturity and balance, uh, many other very important qualities into, to the table. Uh, but the need to be able to recognize the expertise of young people who don't have experience uh, is something that we're not all that accustomed to. Experience isn't what it used to be. Uh, while there is value in experience, of course, experienced people bring that element of, of balance and that element of, of judgment and maturity uh, to the discussion. Uh, but sometimes it holds us back. Sometimes our overemphasis on experience actually makes it very difficult for us to take the steps necessary to prepare for a future that is sometimes unknown and always uncharted. This, I don't even want to call it a generation gap because there's always been a generation gap. This is really a cultural divide between generations. Is something that impacts um, leaders of organizations and teams, and it's something that imp impacts every parent and every educator. Now, how does one deal with that situation, and how do we bridge the um, uh, this almost lack of respect for one another? Young people don't respect older people who try to assert their influence with hierarchy and status. Uh, it's just not something that's important or valued by them. And older people aren't respecting younger people who have this brilliant understanding and knowledge of the future and of what technology can do to enrich that future. And yet unless the older generation and the younger generation develop a healthy respect and admiration for one another, that partnership can't really work satisfactorily. This is one of the themes, one of the many themes of the last daf of the second parak of Rosh Hashanah, uh, daf Cafe, page 25 A and B. And we'll start off learning the um, the Mishnah, uh, because it's a, ver the ver a very famous story, and it begins this whole this whole issue. Although, as with all our learning, on the surface, the subject matter seems to have nothing to do with this. Uh, if we understand the true themes of what the Gemara is working with, we understand that these are the, the universal themes that we need now, perhaps more than ever. The case was um, a case where two people said that they'd seen the Rosh Chodesh, they'd seen the new moon, on the 30th day, uh, and then when everybody went out at that night to have a look at the moon, nobody could see it, it wasn't there. Rabban Gamliel, who was the head of the Beis Din, the Nasi at the time, uh, was not perturbed by that. He said, we've accepted this evidence, we declared the month uh, starting, we've, we were Makadish the Levana, we were Makadish the Chodesh, we sanctified the month, and we stand by that, we're not going to change that because of any kind of new information. Uh, Rabbi Dosa ben Hurkinus has another view. And Rabbi Dosa ben Hurkinus is a very, very senior Tana, one of the early, early Tanaim, who's treated with an enormous amount of respect and esteem in the Mishnah. And Rabbi Dosa ben Hurkinus says, Ede Shekher, and these witnesses are telling a lie. How can you give evidence about a woman that she'd just given birth when the very next day you find that she's completely pregnant? Amara lo Rabbi Yeshua, so Rabbi Yeshua says to Rabbi Dosa ben Hurkanes, Rabbi Yeshua also a very senior Tana, says, I actually agree with you. Shalach lo Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Gamliel sent Rabbi Yeshua a message. And our Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua have had these very, very intense disputes a number of different times. The well-known ones are um, 
uh, there's a case in Bechorot, there's a case in, in Brachot, there's this case. And he says, Gozrani alecha shetavo etzli b'maklecha v'mautecha b'yom ha-kipurim shechel yot b'cheshmoncha. I decree that you should come and call on me on the day that is Yom Kippur according to your calculation, which according to my calculation and the month that I've just declared started is not going to be Yom Kippur at all. Rabbi Akiva went and found Rabbi Dosa very, very upset and sad that he has been instructed to desecrate the day that for him is Yom Kippur. Amalo and Rabbi Akiva comforts him and says, Yesh li asui. I can argue, even though you might be right, and we're not talking about whether empirically you're right or wrong, we're talking about what the halakha is. And I can argue that halakhically, whatever Rabbi Gamliel did is done, and we must abide by that. And he goes on to give them uh, that, he, he, that lesson. And he says, to teach us, Anytime three people who are qualified have the right character traits and the right level of knowledge are set up as a formal Beit Din, as a court of law, their decisions are binding on everybody just as if it was the Beit Din of, of Moshe himself. Uh, we, don't, we don't differentiate. There's supreme authority for that. A generation for that community led by that Beitin, if the people are competent, even if they're not the most senior people in the community, even if they're not the most knowledgeable people. In fact, Rabbi Yeshua then did take his stick and his money, and he did go to Yavne to visit Rabbi Gamliel on the day of Yom Kippur, which is the, the day on which um, Yom Kippur fell, according to his own calculation. Amad Rabbi Gamliel Rabbi Gamliel got up and kissed him on his head. Amalo boy b'shalom Rabbi Come, enter my my teacher, my Rebbe, and my Talmud, my disciple. Rabbi B'chokhmai, you are my teacher in wisdom. You are wiser than me. You're greater than me. Rabbi Gamliel acknowledges that Rabbi Yeshua is the greater of the two. But you're also acting as my disciple in that you accepted my words. On, on the next page, at the end of the, the uh, Perik, the Gemara brings the Brysa that recounts the same event in, with, with slightly more texture and nuance. Um, and in that case, Rabbi Gamliel adds to Rabbi Yeshua and says, Ashrei hador nishma'im liktanim. Happy is the generation in which even great people are willing to listen to the words of, of junior people. And the Aruch Lanair explains that what Rabbi Gamliel is saying, I didn't intend to embarrass you. My intention was not to um, uh, in any way belittle you, but rather my intention was to teach and to demonstrate that it is necessary sometimes for greater people to listen to the to younger people when those younger people have the authority, as is in the case of, of me, Rabban Gamliel, the head of the Beisdin. How much more so when junior people listen to senior people? Ask the Gemara, what do you mean? How much more so? Of course, junior people need to listen to senior people. That's not anything special. That's not anything exceptional. And then the Gemara says, Because the, the young ones listen to the older ones, the junior ones make a kalvachomer. They say, if the older ones are listening to junior people, certainly we or who, are, who are junior must certainly listen to older people. The Masha has an, an interesting question where he says, If Rabbi Gamliel acknowledges that Rabbi Yeshua is the greater one, and Rabbi Gamliel believes that one should listen to the greater person, and, and even to, to the younger person if necessary, then why doesn't he uh, accept the words of Rabbi Yeshua? 
And the Ma'ashoah says an, an important phrase that is so crucial to our generation. According to the context and the circumstance, there are certain things where authority is given to the junior people, to the younger people. And one has to listen to them. And sanctifying the month is one of these things that was given into the authority of the Beit Din headed by Rabban Gamliel, even though he was more junior and younger than Rabbi Yeshua, it still had that authority. But the important piece that for, for our purpose of discussion is this understanding that there are circumstances where it's necessary, where the authority, the knowledge, the wisdom has been given to young people to make those decisions and we need to abide by them. And the art, certainly in an organization, and so in a family as well, in our times, in the times in which we're living, is to know and understand what are those circumstances? What is that context in which young people have the knowledge and the wisdom? And if that is the case, we need to be shomeyalahem, we need to listen to them. We need to ask their advice. We need to hear their opinions. It's not like the old days where we, the older people knew everything and the younger people were just there to learn from us. It's no longer the time where young people want to be like us when they grow up. Uh, it's not so at all. They have a completely different vision of what the future is. And they aren't impressed by our authority, our status, and the hierarchy that gives us power. That just doesn't impress them. And certainly not in the areas where they know they are more expert than we are. We know that there are, when it comes to technology, but not just technology, when it comes to a view of the future, young people are more expert than old people generally. And again, I'm not talking about necessarily a chronological age, although it usually works that way. I'm talking about a mindset, a mindset of a young person who is engaged in future thinking, a young person who understands technology and where it can be going, a young people, a person perhaps who reads science fiction and understands possibilities that older people may not be able to get their heads around, that it's important for us to be able to discern which are the times, what are the circumstances where you've actually got to seek guidance from younger people and have the humility to be able to do that, just as Rabbi Yeshua was able to show Rabbi Gamliel, and Rabbi Gamliel wanted to teach people uh, that that's an important midah, that's an important characteristic to have to understand, that when it comes to Kiddush HaChodesh, when it comes to sanctifying the month, uh, age is not what's important. What's important is who holds the knowledge. And in this case, it was the Ram, younger Raman Gamliel. The Ritva, and we've been speaking about the, uh, the, the, the Ritva as part of that school of, of, of great people, the, um, coming down from the Ramban and the, and the Rashba, uh, we have the Ritva. And the Ritva says that um, he asked, what, what exactly is this Kalvachome? What did the Gemara first assume and then what did it assume afterwards? And from the Ritva's answer, if we understand it deeply, there's another really important insight. The Ritva says, The Gemara explains Rabban Gamliel's words as follows. The Kalvachome is that the young people listen to the older people as an obligation, it isn't, it, it, they don't feel it the obligation, but they make it an obligation themselves. They obligate themselves to listen to the older people, not because the hierarchy is imposed upon them, but because they did the kalvachoma, they did the thinking. 
כשרואים שהגדולים נשמעים לקטנים. When they see that older people consult with younger people, they realize the importance of younger people certainly consulting with older people. And herein lies the key to building this interface between the generations, whether in an organization or in a family. And that is now we have to be able to recognize that young people, and sometimes very young people again, we might be talking about 11-year-olds, 12-year-olds, have an understanding of certain areas of life that we older people don't really have to the same extent. And if we demonstrate our willingness to listen to the, the younger views, the younger people notice that, respond to that, and then they want to have, get the advice of the more experienced people who have the judgment and the perspective and the maturity. And then you've got young and old respecting each other, trusting each other and working together in a team that, that is unbeatable. I've mentioned to you before how in, in Kfar Hasidim when I was in Yeshiva and the great Reb Elia Lopian, a man who'd led the, the Torah world in the area of Musa and, and, and other areas, had led the Torah world for, for decades and decades, uh, was in his, in his late years, the, the Mashgiach in Kfar Hasidim, he was the senior person, led the yeshiva in Kfar Hasidim, and they had appointed the younger Mashgiach, Reb Dov Yafe, who became a very, very great man. But at that time, he was a young man starting off and working as an intern, really, under the guidance of Rebellion Lopian. And many times it was uh, Reb Dov Yafe who gave the drasha, who gave the shir. And in those times, Rebellion Lopian used to sit attentively at the shir. He was never once late. He was always there early, always there on time, and would sit and attentively listen to every word that Reb Dov Yafe spoke, not because he needed the wisdom, not because he needed to learn what Reb Dov was saying, but just to teach the principle that, that if the gedolim nishmoim laktanim, that if great people listen to the more junior people, how much more so must the junior people listen to the older people? And until this day, more than 50 years later, the image of Reb Elia sitting enraptured, or as if enraptured, to Reb Dov Yafe speaking, and, and he wasn't a great speaker, he wasn't a good speaker. Yet he became better and better, but at that time he was a beginner, and it was hard to listen to him. But Reb Elia sat there from beginning to end. He didn't open a safer to read the Sefer, look at the Sefer, he just focused on what Reb Dov Yafe was saying. And that taught the entire yeshiva a principle of, of managing these things and just gave such derech eretz, such respect and awe to the importance of being on time for a shiur and listening. Um, and so it is whenever one does go to a shir, it's not just your own learning that you're impacting. By the attention you give to the shir, by the honor and the respect you give to the shir, being there on time and listening, you're communicating the importance of this to everybody around you. The same with davening. If you treat the davening with awe and you treat the davening seriously and with respect, it's not just your own davening that is better. You communicate, you uplift an entire community, you uplift an entire city. And so it is with everything we do. If we attend a meeting, if we're engaged in a conversation with people, young or old, the importance we demonstrate that we show to what it is we're doing conveys a message that elevates the importance in the minds of countless people who we might not even know. That's the power of each individual to impact and influence hundreds of other people.